Hello, it's Kelly Sterling and welcome to my podcast, Talking About Midlife, where we talk about many different issues that we experience in our 40s and 50s. Today I'm talking to Lorraine Feindrick. Lorraine's a pelvic pain specialist. She works with women who have all types of pelvic pain. It might be sexual pain, ovarian pain, urethral pain, vaginal pain, endometriosis, pain from menstrual cramps nerve pain, pelvic floor dysfunction, really any pain in the pelvis. But the thing is, Lorraine has quite a unique approach. She takes a body-mind approach to connecting with the body and the emotions and really learning to express them and listen to what's going on inside the body. I would say her approach is really also helping women to take a more feminine approach to their leadership in terms of how they lead themselves. It is a fascinating conversation. There is a lot of great wisdom and advice in this podcast and I hope that you enjoy it. Hi Lorraine, how are you? I'm good Kelly, how are you? Good, thank you. Thank you for coming and talking today. Today we're going to talk about um, pelvic pain and before we start talking I just I guess two things I wanted to share um, for people who are listening. So I I came across Lorraine through coaching studies but I didn't really know her but I followed her posts probably from like 18 months ago and they were so interesting and um, I thought, well, I've got to get to know this lady. And uh, a mutual friend um, suggested that we talk, that she had some great stories to tell. But the other really important reason, um, I guess, probably about mm, maybe about 18 months ago, I was talking to my gynecologist about the type of coaching that I do, which is body-mind approach. And it's very much about getting into people's emotional body and their nervous system and helping them work through emotional pain. And she said to me, oh, my God, you have to do this work. I have so many women coming in here with, you know, we do an internal ultrasound because they have pelvic pain. Often, they're often perimenopausal stage. They might be slightly younger or slightly older. And she said, we do the ultrasound and there's nothing there. Yeah. She said, I'm with you. It's emotional pain. It's repressed emotions and people need someone like you or someone, you know, talking about me, but of of course you too, Lorraine, um, who can help them get in there and do this work because it's making their life miserable. Yes, absolutely. Smart doctor. Yeah, yeah. You're lucky to have a doctor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so it's so good to have you here. I think... Where do we start? There's so much to talk about with pelvic pain, but I think let's start with you and your journey. And, you know, what I'm really curious about is how did you get to be a pelvic pain specialist? <laughs> yeah. How did you get here? Yeah. It's not yeah. a typical job. Like, how, yeah, so there's obviously yeah, a really yeah. good story there. Sure. Well, first, thanks for having me. I'm You're happy welcome. to be here, yeah, and talk with you. Um, so, I mean, I think... 
I think I was led to doing this work, you know, as a lot of people who are doing work in the mind body area probably feel. Mm. Um, but I, I think my background, you know, I started in a very traditional career um, as an accountant. And then I was having my own health issues. So um, anxiety, depression, migraines, um, I was having some heart issues, which turned out to probably be anxiety because I never actually found anything wrong. Um, but I was really unhappy in my job. And so I, when I quit, it took a few weeks before all those symptoms went away. So that kind of set me, I was in my early 20s at that time. And that set me off on this journey of how to be healthier and happier and really seeing such a strong mind-body connection mm. with what I was experiencing. So that sort of led me to become a massage therapist and I went to naturopathic college and I um, became a life coach. And then, um, and then I had, and then I started having burning and pain during sex. Actually, before that I started have, I had chronic yeast infections for about a year okay. that I couldn't find any, you know, help with. Actually, I did use some, acu I went to an acupuncturist yeah. and that sort of got the yeast infections under control, but it was like a lot of work. Like I, they kept sort of still coming and then I would have to like use this herbal soak. And, um, I, so I finally got past the yeast infections and then I started having pain and burning, burning during sex and then yeah. chronic pain, vulvar pain after that, that yeah. started impacting a lot of different things in my life. and. You know, I started the traditional medical route, went to my doctor, they, they said, there's nothing wrong with you, much, much like your doctor said, <laughs> um, and went to a gynecologist and, you know, they were suggesting things that just because of my background in health, there was no way I was going to do. So like, oh, we don't see any bacteria, but let's try these heavy duty antibiotics for a year and that might help. And I was just like, no. Um, and I think something that a lot of women who end up having pelvic pain, whether it's vulvodynia, vulvar pain, sexual pain, or whether it's um, interstitial cystitis, which is bladder pain, mm. um, irritable bowel syndrome, bowel issues, anything with the pelvic floor, hips, low back, um, looking for answers can get really frustrating and creates this struggle with your mm. body. Mm. And so having the awareness of uh, myself already, how much that impacted what was happening in my body, you know, like yeah. that just, I knew I wasn't going to be able to relieve anything or heal anything from that place of trying to figure it out and fix my body, you know, like, mm. so I actually remember really clearly the day I did just sort of was sitting in my room meditating on it and I decided to just drop the struggle with my body and tune in and start asking it what it needed um, and kind of switched my mindset to like if this were helping me how would that be and really just by starting to look at the pain as something that was guiding me rather than something that was like in the way Mm. that led me in this process my pain was gone within a few months and mm -hmm. and not only that I never have gotten another yeast infection since then or had any other sort of really 
ish health issues, no big ones. When I do get them, I still use this kind of mind body approach. So yeah. after I, after my pain went away, I started like looking more, I was a life coach at the time and I started reading more about mind body healing and I ended up doing a coach training with someone who had had vulvodynia, which is what I had. Mm -hmm. um, and just started attracting other women who, so I didn't really set out to be a pelvic pain coach, but I just started attracting women who had had old pelvic pain, different kinds, endometriosis, yeah. vulvodynia, vulvar vestibulitis, um, and a lot of interstitial cystitis, pedental neuralgia. So yeah, and, and since then I've done a lot more learning about kind of why that worked and learning more about the pain science and the, like there's this whole world of mind-body doctors who are, um, one in particular, Dr. John Sarno, he was an uh, orthopedic surgeon. He worked with patients who had back pain. Yeah. Um, and even like way back in the 60s, he was saying this is emotional. And he took all his patients off of all physical treatments and taught them how their brain was creating the pain um, and, and identified all different kinds of pain chronic pain, back pain, migraines, pelvic pain, wow. fibromyalgia, as mind-body syndromes, which is what wow. he called them. So, yeah. That's so amazing. Then I, yeah. 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 It's really interesting. Really At first, when I was working with women to like sort of teach, do what I did with them and also integrate some of these mind-body principles and help them get to the emotions and start to retrain how their brain was responding to their emotional energy mm. and, I would, and their pain would go away and I was, I would just be shocked like mm. that, it, that it would work. You know, that was 10 years ago. Now it, now it's so much more obvious to me what all the different things are that are happening in a woman's body and her with her emotions. That is. Yeah. I just, I've just been reminded of something, Nicole Pauly, who's a Chinese doctor that I do a bit of work with. Um, she says to me, when people come to her with pain, obviously because she's a Chinese doctor, she believes it's emotion too. But she said, that's had to be there for a really long time before it becomes pain. And then they come mm -hmm. to her and try and fix it. Yeah. So she's like, you know, that's been... Lots of words, not um, I don't know, disregarded or repressed or whatever, but that that emotion has been there for a long time for it to manifest as pain. That's her view, anyway. I'd be interested in yeah. the way you say it. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree. I mean, I think our bodies are super resilient, yeah. so we, especially as women, but this definitely happens for men too. Um, yeah. But you know, we're conditioned out of trusting our bodies yeah. and whether we've had trauma in our childhood or whether we just were living in an environment where we were heavily rewarded for success or getting good grades or behaving or, you know, being responsible or being happy. Yeah. Um, our brain kind of helps us out with that by suppressing 
or making us not aware of our own emotional energy. Because as children, especially, if we're not feeling it, then it's much easier to behave the way the people around us want us to behave. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. watched my youngest son. Um, he's very sensitive and I can see him, like I'm kind of big on him emoting. But he, I can see him sometimes just keeping it together. And I know he's learned to do that for school, like to keep it together yeah. at school. Yeah. But I just watch him sometimes and I could, like he's got a lot of mental fortitude and I just can see in his mind and I'm, what's up? What's up? Tell me what's up for yeah. you. And right. Yeah. So because our bodies are so resilient, right, that can be going on for a very long time before yeah. we end up with something like pelvic pain or some other kind of chronic pain that we really are having a hard time turning around you know there can be other signs along the way for sure some fatigue some headaches but things we can just like take a tylenol or an advil and then you know or um but right I, so i do think it it takes a while it's also you know that idea of our body speaks in whispers and when we're really tuned into our emotional energy we get those whispers very and then we can when we know how to feel our emotions in a healthy way and access the guidance they're bringing us. We can make adjustments. We can kind of work in this partnership with our body. But when we've been ignoring, ignoring, ignoring at some point, it just, you know, it keeps getting louder and louder and louder until it's like yelling for attention. So how do you, what is pelvic pain? How do you define it? So it's really any pain in the pelvis. And that could be with the reproductive system. So for women, um, sexual pain, ovarian pain, vulvar pain, vaginal pain. Um, it can be with the um, bladder, like I said, interstitial cystitis, um, urethral pain, also frequency and urgency, I think would yeah. fall into that. Menstrual cramps, endometriosis, yeah. Um, even low back, hip pain, and then things with the nerves, like pedental neuralgia is a common diagnosis. Yeah. yeah. A newer, you know, something that's being identified more is pelvic floor dysfunction, which just means that the muscles, these all these amazing muscles in the pelvic floor are either over contracted or too weak, um, which can also come from over contraction. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really, so it's an, any pain in the pelvis, but I, I particularly love working with women around pelvic pain. Cause I think for women, uh, we, we guard and protect ourselves a lot in our pelvis. And that yeah. has to do sometimes with our relationship with our sexuality and just our culture the cult what the culture is telling us about our sexual energy yes but even emotionally it's just a place like those pelvic floor muscles are contracted for a reason and the reason isn't usually postural it's usually emo underlying emotional like that there's been this maybe slight contraction in the deeper muscles for most of our lives but it takes you know so speaking to midlife especially yeah. when it's like 
when we go through transitions that so maybe we've had this under this pattern of tension and you know kind of suppressing emotional energy for most of our lives but it's been okay until we get into midlife where there's a lot more emotional energy because we're going through bigger transitions and yeah, huge transition um, yeah yeah having children uh, changing jobs getting married going through perimenopause or menopause life changes losing parents you know like yeah. there's just so much that happens and I think a lot of times the the w women I work with and I'm sure you see like they've often had a few big emotional things happen over a short period of time yeah right before. the unraveling yeah yeah definitely I mean that well that's often the reason I mean I will look as coaching I've been working with that 40 year old group for years and just in yeah. de development perspective and it's the unraveling in males and females. But because I worked in the corporate world for a long time, I think the thing that struck me the most when I looked at the senior women, <clears throat> I and just I used to just watch really and observe um, they had to forego the feminine aspects of themselves to be successful in that world absolutely and so i'm sure they're i mean i coach <laughs> a lot of people like that i'm sure they're your number one clients but the thing that also struck me um and this is probably like 10 or 15 years ago when the millennials were just coming into the workforce yeah. is where a lot of them were looking at them upward of course because that's it's a, the hierarchy and like i don't connect with that i don't want to be like that i don't want my life to be like that because yeah. they have a different view about work because of their cultural mm -hmm. narrative yeah. that they've been brought up in. And so, yeah, I was sort of just looking at like, this is, this is not right. These women yeah. are not, they're un, like, they were ill, a lot of them. They were unhappy and there was a lot of false ego structures there. And I just, they didn't have good relationships because they weren't coming from their authentic self and people unconsciously pick up on it. And, but for me, it was like, but this is the, the culture that they've grown up in and they've had to adapt just to function and survive. And so and that's the way we're taught to succeed. I mean, that's how it, that's, there's not that many models of feminine, like staying in the feminine and still having the kind of success you want to have in your life, you know, so yeah. to, to get through our education system in the U S I'm not sure what it's like in Australia, but it's just, you know, very competitive and it's yeah. all about being evaluated and yeah. trying to be the best and get A's and get into a good school. And then, you know, and, and yes, lots of a lot, a large percentage of my clients are, um, women who've been very successful in that, you know, and very intellectual. Yeah. Um, and they've, and like the really wonderful thing, right. As you know, is that when you do connect your intellect back with your body, things get a lot easier. It's not like your mind is not an amazing, useful tool, but when it's completely dissociated from your body and your emotional wisdom and your soul, then it's, you know, it's so empowering. I think it's like, it's a gift you can give women. Um, yeah. 
and you know pain aside just anything connecting them with their feminine you know it improves their relationships it improves their capacity to be vulnerable they speak from a more authentic place they they are happier overall happier they don't Absolutely. have to put on and they feel safe because they know how to be themselves and navigate the complexities of the world because you've brought that deeper level of awareness into their body. They're not fighting the feelings. They're just welcoming them and working with it. So, yeah. Yeah. I think learning that, that, um, so our medical approach is really like, it's not, let's talk about so much, not so much a, you know, well, I mean, we're mostly waiting to treat things until it's, we have disease. It's not yeah. really a healthcare model. It's not proactive. It's a, yeah. Di- yeah. So, um, but also it's all, there's so much fear in it. Right. Yeah. And so when you understand the mind body connection and like literally that when we're in it, when we're all in our heads and dissociate from our bodies, when our emotional energy is suppressed, when we are completely focused on pain and worry, start, then cycles of starting to worry and fear and feeling limited, frustrated and angry with your body, going from specialist to specialist, that is signaling danger to your brain. It's amping up your nervous system and your fight or flight response, which is messing yeah. with your hormones. And then yeah. the, just this big downward cycle starts. Yeah. So I think... I just actually started a group program recently and I just, every time I do so one of the, the way they're so grateful to come into the program because it's such a different approach. Like we start with, you know, starting to drop that struggle and partner with your body and start to, you know, it's just, I think of it as like, I think all women, all of us are capable of, our bodies are capable of healing. Like our bodies are amazing and wise and fully like they're healing. We're healing machines. Right? Yeah, <laughs> when we don't get in the way, our bodies can do what they need to do. And so starting to shift to this model of trusting your body yeah. and giving your body what it needs for health and not even just in a, you know, diet, nutrition, exercise kind of way, but in a, slowing down, getting enough rest, playing more, having more pleasure, learning how to be present with emotions and start to welcome them. And the the longer I do this, the more I really see it all as it's all about energy movement and flow. Yeah. And so you're like feeding that energy movement and flow. So it's like healing is about nourishing and care you know not about effort and struggle and fear and those are like the opposite of yeah what relieves pain especially yes i completely agree with you and i'm just thinking just interested in your perspective so with the pelvic pain are you seeing if we look at it from an energy perspective because obviously we're talking about okay it's emotion just to reframe it for people are you seeing it as stuck energy in the pelvis or stagnant energy or what's how do you would you describe it from an energetic perspective i yeah so from well first i would say that 
I would, I have this analogy that I use a lot actually, which yeah. is a mad. So because we're looking at opening up energy and I usually start with women on emotions and then, but really emotional energy, sexual energy, it's just yeah. all part of our life force energy. Yeah. We are, you know, like, our, you know, so there's, subtle distinctions but so i use an example of a a water like a faucet so i emotions or energy are like the water you know and they're meant to be flowing and when they're flowing we have health we not only have energy we don't have pain yeah but through living this life like we've been talking about through the ways our culture conditions us don't feel that, don't show that, you know, don't be too sexual, don't be a bitch, don't be this, don't, so like, our body comes up with all these ways to shut the faucet. Yes. And so the faucet is closed. Yeah. And like, that can be the result of big traumas, or that can be the result of this, like, just living day to day in an environment that doesn't welcome emotional and sexual energy from women. Yeah. And so the the closed faucet can be like tension in your body. It can be holding your breath. It can be a lot of mental patterns, you know, perfectionism, self-criticism, worry, catastrophizing. Most women who end up with chronic pain, chronic pelvic pain in particular, were were dealing with anxiety or something else beforehand, you know, like like Mm. those patterns were already there. And all of that is like closing this faucet. Yeah. So for healing, at least in my approach, I don't focus so much on like getting the water to flow. I focus more on opening the faucet because the the water naturally flows, like the energy naturally moves. Yeah. When we learn how to take back all the things that are closing it. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of of it, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you keep going. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of it is just about being present in your body. You know, because when we take our awareness out of our body, that stop, that's one of the things that stops energy flow. Yeah. Yeah, well, we, I mean, I guess there's more awareness around it now and I guess more understanding. I think of what my children learn, at, even at school and the acceptance of emotions. But I know growing up, it was sort of like, come on, <laughs> you know, when you fall in a heap, when you fall because something didn't, up you get, you'll be okay, motor on, okay? Right. <laughs> a lot of women have grown up with, right? It's just, you know, Absolutely. you can do it, just kind of. Like, I was thinking yesterday, um, just was messaging a friend and about something that I read and he has a daughter and um, I was just reflecting and thinking, you know, I think my father his way of helping us cope with the patriarchy was you can do anything a guy can do. And so, you know, which is great. And I did, I was a very good swimmer when I was younger and I could beat the boys in my neighbourhood in races until I was about 15 and they got much bigger than me and I just couldn't compete with them based on their size alone. Um, And up until that point, I probably did think that I could beat them at anything. And then it was like the rules changed and I had to be more like them if I wanted to compete. And I sort of thought, mm, in, so a lot of us, if I think of where I grew up, 
it was the seventies and eighties, we were brought up as sort of tomboys, like, you know, to, to be able to function with them, we had to be a little bit mm-hmm. like that. Right. Um, and it was good because I wasn't intimidated by them and I had lots of male neighbours around me and I could cope with them and I was fine at school. But you do a disservice to the feminine aspects of absolutely. yourself in that narrative. And the feminine absolutely, as you know, can be very, very powerful and be strong very powerful. and that's not the model that we see. It's not about being small or soft, you know. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. But that model of pushing, yeah, when you were talking about that, I just think in so many ways, even when women go about trying to get healthy and heal, it's all very mind dominated. You know, so our mind makes a plan. This is how much you're going to exercise. This is what you're going to eat. This is what you're going to do. And that's going to make you healthy. But all of that, if it's completely dissociated from your body, yeah, you know, it's not, it's, it's cutting off flow. It's, it's your, you know, it's, I think of it like moving from having your head be in charge of everything to having your body body be in charge and using your mind as a tool to help plan. And, but it's like the set, the focus of leadership is in the wrong place for women, especially, you know, we have so much natural intuitive, um, capacity, wisdom, capacity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah when we're connected to our bodies and it's not valued it's not valued in the workplace because we're told to quantify everything with data whether it's quantity of data or quality of data like don't listen to your intuition but there's there's a lot to be said for intuition i mean i've specifically heard that messaging told to people for years and for good reason right yeah but it's a balance logical right yeah yeah it's a balance based balance of both Um, right just i just want to swing back to the medical thing a little bit so i don't know what it's like in the u.s but i because i work have coached a lot of um senior medical staff at two hospitals here they're very much focused on trying to create a more patient-centered culture which is challenging because the the doctor has been in the expert role for years and so people, like I think of my parents' generation. Um, I know when my father has, was really ill a couple of years ago, like they just do whatever the doctor says and they don't question it, challenge it. Um, yeah, whereas right. I find like when I've been in there, I'm asking them a million questions, I'm, you know, in the extent that I can advocate for myself. And I have a friend who has two children that have had a lot of medical attention because of illness. And, um, you know, she says to me, because she understands the medical system, she's from a family of doctors, she just gets in there and she questions and she... (laughs) And so um, if I think of um, my mum, I always laugh at my mum and my aunties because I'll be like, oh, I've got a headache. And sometimes I just need to drink more water or they're like, oh, do you want a Panadol? Like, which is like, a, yeah, right. you know, or the drug cabinet or like I've got really, yes, I had really bad hay fever over the weekend and I'll sort of relent and relent. And I thought, no, I, I do need to take something because I'm actually feeling really unwell. Um, yeah. But, you know, if I see mum, she'd be like, oh, give and then we're the complete opposite, right? We're like, do not take 
anything. I try and steer clear of all sorts of And the reason for that is because you're masking your body's guidance by doing that. I mean, that's part of the pushing model. Just get rid of the symptom. So then you'll be okay until you can't get rid of the symptoms anymore because the medical approach is not working anymore. So that's when, so yes, it's the same here. People listen to doctors and do what doctors say. And I think there are definitely providers who are moving to a more integrative patient-centered approach, some amazing ones, but it's definitely not the norm yet. Yeah, no, it's early days, early days. Yeah. And I think that, you know, one really the most valuable thing about connecting to your body, like I can't tell you the number of women I have who I'll do a consultation with them and they're like, you know, I had burning and then I did this treatment, whether it's an injection or surgery or, and I knew I shouldn't do it, but I just did what the doctor told me and now I'm worse, you know, like, so I've, so like you, you ask all the questions, it's not like medicine is bad. There's so many amazing tools, but our bodies all need different things. And so yeah. when you're really connected to your body, you can navigate that by trusting what your body's saying yes to, what your body's saying no to. It's not like you can't take pain medicine, but you know, if you want deeper healing, what's the next right thing for you? Mm, does it and learning how to come back and yeah do you treat many women that have autoimmune conditions um i think that those tend to go hand in hand sometimes yeah you know yeah yeah one thing about my work is that i i mean of course i'm a I'm aware of the different symptoms and diagnoses that my clients have, but we very quickly get our focus off of what the symptoms are. Yeah. And so that was one of the big contributions, I think, of Dr. John Sarno. And I really love his book, The Mind-Body Prescription, although it's, you know, it's a little outdated. But one of his really key concepts was that our brain our body creates symptoms as a distraction from underlying emotional issues so what he was doing with his patients was it was a very masculine approach to this i think but it but one really valuable piece of it is like get your attention off of the so it's like the the, off the diagnosis or stop talking about it because you're just reinforcing it as an effective distraction yeah so like get your attention and for him it what what he was and which is very effective is get your attention onto everything else that what's going on emotionally for you yeah you know so we just went through this in my program we in the in the second week i have them sign a manifesto that's kind of like all the things they're intending and agreeing to do and one of the first things is going on a research fast and not talking about their symptoms anymore. (laughs) And so one of the questions is always, but what do I say to people who ask me how I'm feeling? And it's sort of revolutionary to them to realize that they can answer that question in other ways besides how their pain is. Like like the pain is so defining everything about their life at that point that they can't even answer a question, how are you doing or how are you feeling without saying, you know, well, I have a lot of pain today and my pain's this, but if the answer is only about symptoms. So starting to like 
reconnect like well well how are you doing emotionally or what else is going on in your life you know maybe talk about the class or the mind body principles you're learning or yeah that's a really good because i i mean it becomes the story doesn't it, it becomes the yeah. story of of your life and what's going on and yeah you yeah. can get so caught up i mean i just see it all the time yeah and I'm, obviously you do too with coaching people just getting caught up in the story then and also yeah, absolutely I love language like just the you know the labels that we attach to everything and how that defines how we show up in the world yeah I mean it makes sense it's it's not like it doesn't make sense especially if you've got a chronic health issue and you aren't getting answers from medical systems. So it makes sense to be researching information and looking for other solutions. But yeah, our, our mind gets so focused on only that. And, and I think that that's part, and you know, according to Sarno's theory and also what I see, like that's part of why the symptom is there because yeah. it's distracting us from all the other things that our brain finds more threatening. They're not more threatening. Um, but you know feeling the underlying emotions of i'm not happy in my relationship or at my job and how do i change that and yeah does it mean leaving or does it mean feeling all of this emotional stuff that i never learned how to feel and you know or work with and it's that's so overwhelming yeah that and this is obviously all unconscious but the brain like we gets very focused on the symptoms and the pain. One thing um, I've noticed just with women that I've coached in the transition into motherhood is um, it's really interesting. So a lot, of, a lot of people have been conditioned from when they were toddlers not to express their anger because tantrum is unacceptable, right? So we, we both believe that that's a huge issue for a very large percentage of people. Um, yes. impact on men and women in different ways, right? And anger is a healthy emotion when it's about boundaries being violated, you need it. Um, but one thing I've noticed when they become mothers, so you know that really primal fear that you have over your children's well-being? Like it's a really kind of... Yep, absolutely. It's an overwhelming and hard to dis describe feeling, but it's there. But I also notice them, then they start to, it's almost like they start to notice in, it's all the patriarchal stuff. So the, because they've been in such an experience of motherhood and nurturing the baby for, you know, say it's 12 months, we, you know, we can take 12 months off work here, okay? Mm -hmm. um, wow. Been so <laughs> in their feminine, right? Like just so like nurturing that baby, doing all the things around the house they go back to work and they've got a new set of glasses on essentially. And they start to see the patriarchy right in the workplace. And I see it playing out in them. They're just starting to notice stuff going like, that's a bit like masculine or, you know, like it's just, they, they see, start to see the injustice and I see a bit of anger coming up and they get angry at stuff at work and they're not used to the feeling of this anger. Like it's right. really deep. Yeah. Um, 
I said to one of my clients one day, you know, sometimes I feel like I have the anger of a thousand women inside of me, like at the injustice, right? Right. She said, I'm just starting to feel that. And it feels so uncomfortable. So they feel their nervous system is getting triggered. So they're going into their fight or flight, feeling that anger because their sympathetic nervous system is experiencing a a level of charge that it hasn't felt, A, because they haven't seen it or B, because they haven't let themselves feel it. Okay. So there's a few different hypotheses there, but just there's something wrong. It's almost like they feel like there's something wrong with them for feeling that. Like, I'm just, why am I feeling like this? When oh, well, wait, this I mean, I think we're conditioned to think, <laughs> I mean, I remember when I first started learning about emotions from teachers who spoke about them in positive ways, yeah. you know, like actually one of my, the very first time was I really love Abraham Hicks. I don't know if you've ever heard. I of do him. not. Even, yeah. Okay. Uh, and so they have this book called ask and it is given and they talk about emotions in there like as your emotional guidance system so i grew up in a family i was i was the oldest and only daughter um in this italian family where women's roles were very different than men's but nobody was acknowledging that and I just think like I was angry a lot and I was so ashamed for that like what's wrong with you why can't you be happy and so I felt like there was something wrong with me you know and I'm reading that book I just like can't even tell you like the relief I felt in my body like they're like listing out and it's a very simplistic approach actually their approach to emotions but even just having somebody say like there's a reason for these things they're here to guide you and it was just like oh my gosh you know it's like a life-changing concept but I think as you like what you're speaking to is that our brains are still conditioned that we shouldn't feel that emotion and so there's so many protective responses in our body and I think that we either learn how to suppress emotion in this culture, like so we're holding it back and judging ourselves for having it if we're even aware that we're feeling it, or dump it on people, like express it. Disassociation, yeah. Instead of being able to... Yeah. Yeah, instead of being able to like feel the energy in your body, which I think, I mean, anger, what took me, that was one of the ones that took me the most time to really be able to welcome into my life and also me too too. yeah the one that has made the most positive difference i think because it's like yeah the thing that i've discovered about anger when you're able to well personally when i'm able to express it in a very grounded way i always get my needs met all the time yeah yeah. Because I probably, you know, go, oh, yeah, it's okay, don't worry about it, you know, if someone does something. But actually when I can say, actually, you know what, I'm really not happy with that and this is why, right, or what just happened and this is what I need, always yeah. gets resolved immediately. Yeah. yeah. And just think, oh, gosh, you know, just because we just want to make everyone happy and um, and I think to your point, it's it can become very unconscious so people are so because it's so fractured off from their psyche that they're not even aware like there's just no awareness of 
the feeling of it. And so when it starts to come in, it's like, oh, God, this feels so uncomfortable. Like, I don't want to feel like this. Yes. And so, yeah, letting I them... Mean, I, I mean, I remember in something I do with my clients, and you probably do too, is um, <clears throat> really having a process of practicing welcoming anger in your body so for me when i would feel angry i wanted to yell or like get and i think even a lot of we get a lot of like anger is bad harmful you know you have to let your anger out so people are like trying to get it out instead of like holding it in your body and feeling it you know like just yeah. describing the sensations of it and breathing and giving it permission to get bigger it's like oh there's all this energy in my body now. yeah yeah it's so much energy it's hard for them to hold the sympathetic charge right like because they've just yeah. never been there and their nervous system is like whoa what's going on oh my god like this yeah i mean i think though that when it's when we're allowing it to move it it becomes a positive energy. Like it's like yeah, it, a, it totally, totally it does. Good. The yeah. First, the first time. Oh no, at first, the first yeah, response yeah. to it is yeah. that it's dangerous and suppressed yeah. and triggers. Yeah. I mean, I, I think suppressed energy, suppressed anger is probably at the root of a lot of chronic pain, chronic fatigue, especially because, I mean, you know, when you talk about like the, when it, you know, I think of the faucet model, like it takes a lot of energy to hold back that much yeah. energy. Yeah. And it's kind of happening. Also, anger is right, the beautiful emotion of helping us be aware of when we're not meeting our own needs, you know? Yeah. And I think, I mean, talk about moms going back to work, that all of a sudden they have a lot of response, more responsibility on their plate, too. They're supposed to be taking care of a child and now working. Yeah. And so, where is their self care happen in that? yeah picture and so it often is the last thing on their mind but it's the thing that they need the most actually yeah but you know where's the time for it when you've got a tiny baby or when you've got a toddler and a small baby and yeah it's you know just the guilt and the reality is for most families, they need both incomes to survive now because it's expensive to live. Right, right? yeah. And yeah. I think a lot of women, you know, they want to work because they like the, the energy, they like to be around other adults, but they also want to be home with their kids. So they're in this constant tussle, like internal struggle of... Um, and then add into that, probably trying to do both perfectly. <laughs> the judge thinking society. Yeah, that they're the ones that have to do everything, yeah. not asking for help. Yeah, exactly. We have a lot of cultural like ideas about like the whole good mom thing too, what you're supposed to be yeah. with your kids. So inevitably for those of us who are raising a child and working it's easy to start buying into stories of you're not doing either as well. Yeah, as well. You That's what I noticed. I feel like I'm failing at everything. Yeah. Yeah. And failure, you know, if you've been a high achieving woman who's done really well, failure is unfamiliar, uncomfortable and feels very unsafe. Yeah. Because you're, no, because your whole, you know, you've hooked your whole, sense of identity and self-worth around getting stuff done around being really good at what you do um 
So you, you know, of course you're going to have this like identity crisis. <laughs> like who am, yeah. who, am who am I? Yeah. yeah. And I've been pushing away my pain at the same time or I've been pushing away my emotions. And so, you know, it's easy to see why it becomes um, such a challenging time. Have you, so one thing I've noticed, and I'm just curious on your observation, I was talking to a colleague before Christmas because um, we both work with a lot of senior executives and I'd done some work with a team and I just, my sort of observation of a lot of people I've been working with is just like there's just a lot of stress around. And I said to this colleague of mine who's a guy in his 60s, so he works a lot with CEOs, and I said to him, I just... I feel like the self-care is not good anywhere and I just don't feel like the world of work is doing anything for people when it comes to giving them permission to be able to look after themselves, to have the time. Like it's just do, 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 be on all the time. There's no, there's no space for them. They go home, they're not looking up. And he said, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, it's just high stress everywhere. And I said, people are getting sick. Like, is it just me? Is it just because I'm sort of really into mind-body stuff? I'm really into the nervous system at the moment, so that's the lens. And he's like, no, I think, you know, it's not my lens, but I think, I think you're right. And he said, I think it's yeah. getting worse. I don't think, feel it's getting better. Have you observed, an in, like, an increase in people coming to see you or it, like if you observe this sort of increasing stress as technology becomes so ubiquitous in our life, what is your, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I'm not as much aware from a like corporate perspective. I mean, I, over time, I would say, so yeah. I don't, I mean, I'm not still in that world myself. Yeah. I have clients who are, I think that though I do think part of the way I like talk about this and teach about this is that a lot of those things like using and not necessarily for work, but well, that probably doesn't answer your question. I guess what I would say is I think a lot of it has to do with the pressure we're putting on ourselves yeah. and how we're thinking about all this stuff. Cause the reality is that there are ways to take time to care for yourself and most of the pressure is coming from your mind saying you have to do it a certain way. And, yeah. you know, like, so sort of this willingness, I think at first, especially it's very scary because your, your brain's like, uh, you know, that part of your brain is like, you're going to get fired if you don't do like that, everything, everybody, <laughs> you know, but starting to look for small ways that, you know, I have a client right now who's still close her door and just, take a minute to breathe or to yeah. write down, you know, or you, I've had clients who have said, you know, just, well, if you're feeling emotional, go to the bathroom and just be present with your, you know, give your, it doesn't have to be like, there's, there's definitely ways to do it. It's just not what most people are doing. It's not a habit. Yeah. And it's also not we have a lot of stories about why we can't do it yeah. differently. And I, I mean, sometimes that can be the beauty of a health crisis because your body's yeah. like, you've got to do this differently. Yeah. And, and I out think that's that, something we learned. We didn't really learn it growing up. Like it wasn't like, oh, you have no. to self-care. It's, it's not a learned behavior over time. That, right. 
Yeah. Um, we didn't get taught how to do this because we didn't imagine our world would be like it is now, right? In terms of the pace and the more, a lot more busyness. Yes. Yeah. More to do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh, I just could talk to you for hours. Yeah. We're nearly out of time. Okay. Um, I guess the parting question is if you could give advice to women, if you like, what would be your one piece of wisdom that you would want to give them around listening to their body? I mean, the first thing that popped into my mind was trust yourself. Yeah. And I know that that can sound confusing because when you haven't learned or paid enough attention to the difference between like the, all the thoughts versus what's happening in your body, um, that it can just be kind of confusing. Like how, what does this mean? It's like learning a new language, right? Yeah. Yeah. So just that I would say that I have not yet met a woman who hasn't found the answers inside herself that she needed to heal and that it does seem confusing. It's like, you know, it's like going to, I don't know, Spain and not knowing how to speak the language and having nobody there speak English. (laughs) It's like, you just don't understand it, but it's just really like practice repetition making a little time in your day to just sit and breathe and notice sensations and be present with your body in a way that's not trying to change or fix anything. Yeah. And I, and I think that doing that just over time, you just start to learn so much about yourself and then it becomes much more clear. And I I mean, I just see, I know it from my own experience, but people, that concept that you were talking about in terms of just sort of surrendering and not fighting your pain. So when you're able to be with it, what you're feeling, the emotions, notice, observe, is the pathway to surrendering and just listening. Yeah. 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 I also really like the question, if this were trying to help me, how could that be? You know, because it just opens up possibilities. You're not saying just, and I think like looking at like, what is this physical issue preventing me from doing? Like, what's this pain preventing me from doing? And how could that actually be sort of a protective response rather than, huh? Yeah, how could that be a gift? I mean, ultimately it is all a gift because the process of healing, you know, when you come out the other side, in order to heal in this mind body way, you learn how to reclaim your energy and have it start flowing. And that makes your, so many things in your life so much better. Oh, it so does. It's so, yeah, yeah, that life force energy or the force as they call it in Star Wars. force. (laughs) Yeah. Lorraine, if people want to find you, how to, what's your website um, domain name and where are you on social media? Um, yeah, I, my website is radiantlifedesign.com. And uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram as Lorraine Fandrick, which is a little yeah. challenging to spell, but I'll, I'll put it, it in. It'll be in the, yeah, it'll be, it'll be in the and, um, Yeah, and uh, Facebook, Radiant Life Design. Um, I have a page on Facebook too. 
Thank so. you so much. Thank you so Thank much. You so so much. interesting. My God, I, I like seriously could have talked to you for three hours, but that would be a bit too much for people to listen to, wouldn't it? So. <laughs> Thank you for having me and thank you for the amazing work you're doing. I mean, midlife is such an important time that women need support. So yeah, I appreciate just, your work very much. It's, I think it's really important. And I think, you know, for me more than anything, it's really about giving people, you know, many lenses through to look at what's going on and to help them sort solve it themselves through different perspectives and different ways of viewing what's going on and then just teaching them like you just to trust their intuition and um yeah just return to their feminine their feminine like that's where I think their strength and I think you're probably on the same page as me on that one yes <laughs> yes all right